What's going on, hockey fans? Hey, what's going on? It's James from Offside, chilling with my co-host as always, Dylan D. Ford Fournier. What's up, Dylan? Not much. How about you, James? Not too much. And you may realize there's someone else in the chat tonight, and it's the one and only Henny Tweets. We all love this man right here. It's Paul Hendrick. Paul, how's it going tonight? Great, guys. Thank you. And uh, never a dull moment when it comes with the hockey team with a lot of expectations. And it's uh, it's going to be a busy time. I've just been watching episodes of Succession. And it seems like this whole MLSC thing is just another episode of Succession. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, at least before uh, July 1st and especially after. Yeah, well, there's lots of dominoes to fall. Before we jump into the episode, I want to say yeah. we are proudly brought to you by our friends at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Make sure you check out their puck off Lagerdale. If you get out east, it's the big beer for the big show. And yeah, speaking of the big show, I want to ask that question right out the get-go, Paul. Yeah. Everybody seems to think right now that MLSC really has their fingers way too far in on this and maybe has kind of rocked the boat maybe this past year and even beyond that. I'm wondering, what would you think about that? Do you think they have too much of a say or meddle too much and maybe mess this up a little bit? Well, I don't know. They're the one, yeah, possibly, but they're one of the most successful organizations in sport in the entire planet. I mean, Real Madrid, Manchester United, uh, you know, New York Yankees, uh, but the Maple Leafs are right there, as are the Rangers, as are the Montreal Canadiens in terms of hockey. So the soccer organizations worldwide are bigger just because they are. So I'm not going to criticize their their organization. They they have a, a, a an important stake in what's going on. And, um, you know, this is obvious. Uh, there must have been something going on in terms of transgressions or at least um, not getting along, whether it be between Brendan and Kyle. Something came of it in that opening, that press conference on Monday with Kyle, where I'm sure he was briefed about, you know, their PR staff when you're going in, let's stick to the bullet points and move on. Uh, you know, obviously he didn't stick to those bullet points. Uh, and in fact, Brendan didn't want him going on, I'm sure, before a new deal was in place. But Kyle had his agenda, came out with it. It was a big domino to fall. Down it fell. And Brendan had to respond in kind as he did uh, later on in the week. But, you know, from a board of directors scenario, they they run things. Uh, this is their baby. It's a successful baby, at least in terms of business. Um, not successful in terms of winning a hockey championship just yet. And uh, and so we move on. And it's going to be an interesting next seven to ten days. I, I think they've got to get a general manager in place soon. But for a GM, it's a hell of an opportunity. Uh, they've got a good, good hockey club. They just got to get those pieces locked in and continue moving forward toward what might be a Stanley Cup in the next few years. Speaking of general managers, who would – be your top five candidates to oh, be sexual manager. You know, that's a lot of candidates, right? And, <laughs> and it's, you know what, I don't know. You know, deep down, uh, Mark Hunter was is a guy I, I'm very fond of in terms of what he brings. Uh, is it as a National Hockey League general manager, is in a, a co-role with somebody else? I could see that. Uh, but, but, you know, Armstrong in St. Louis is obviously a, a key and there are a bunch of other names, but to give you five and, and to, to preach equally, yeah. I don't know if I could do that. What about three? Narrow it down now. You want them to get even smaller on a list. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Go uh, but you know, three. if you're in if you're in Ottawa or Pittsburgh or some of these places, uh, and and looking for success, uh, Kyle Dubas might be but might be a good way to go. He's he's had his hands, you know, our fingers on the pulse uh, for the last you know five years with the, at this level, and and he might be a refreshing change. I wish he was still in Toronto. I think it's unfortunate that he's not in Toronto. Yes. Uh, I don't unless he really really wanted out. Why would you have left this job? Uh, but he has, and so they move on. But it's a fair question. Who would you like to see? You know, my gut says I'd like to see a Mark Hunter. I just love what he brings in terms of hockey talent. Um, and I, I like might... his connections to the players as well. Is yeah. a big role in, in going forward to July 1st, especially. Yeah. Now, there's more to it than all of that, you know, in terms of running yeah. a, a franchise. But... Kyle was surrounded by a lot of good people, too, that share in that. Brandon Pridham uh, being one of the key guys in terms of managing the money and, and how it's going. And who knows? He could end up elsewhere. He could end up staying as well, helping whoever this new person is coming on. Uh, and, and then, of course, that new person has to get to work with a few signings as well before, uh, before the draft anyway. You mentioned, you know, Kyle Dubas not sticking to the bullet points and coming out on his own agenda. And I mean, in one sense, good on him, right? I mean, we want more honesty. We want more transparency. We want people to, you know, let it be known their feelings or what's going on, especially when we watched him throughout the playoffs be frustrated, um, you know, kind of lose his temper a couple of times. You know, those things, you know, for Kyle Dubas aren't really things that really show for him. And obviously it was a stressful year. Um but I look at that and I say, okay, he said those things, but those were not things that Brendan Shanahan didn't already know, probably. He said they did discuss it, but when Shanahan had his press conference, he said, these were things that kind of turned my tide on moving on from Kyle Dubas. And I'm just wondering, was it more the fact that he didn't stick to the script and keep those things behind closed doors mm -hmm. that maybe pushed that forward where they were like, no, I think we're going to move on. And the nervousness came in maybe a little bit trepid because, you know, he said he may not want to be here or may not want to continue in that role. You know, all that rolls into Brendan Shannon and he has to make a decision on the fly. Well, I guess if you're Brendan, you want to make sure if you're committed to this, you'd better be committed. And, and yes, there's pressure on family. You know, Kyle is uh, his two kids, Kyle's wife and his two kids. And that goes with it. But it's going to be pressure every which way. Um, and I think coming back, uh, you know, with the agent's offer, not only, yes, we'd like to come back, but we want to come back with more money than we'd previously talked about. Um, maybe that just all didn't go well. And, and there, there obviously was a major disconnect, especially when Kyle stepped away from the podium on Monday evening, uh, that Brendan had to give it some thought. And I'm sure the board members wanted to say, well, hey, where are we? I thought we had this going on. Uh, that obviously isn't the case right now. And maybe Kyle doesn't want to be here. And if we're going to have a general manager, the commit's got to be totally there. And if there was just a glimmer of doubt on Kyle's part, then maybe they had to think they had to go elsewhere. And I guess it is what it is, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, you know, nothing's I mean, perfect. And do you know about the stuff, the firing of the water bottle and, you know, the getting into it with the Tampa fans. I mean, Cam Neely's fired a few water bottles. <laughs> yeah. This is it's not a big deal. I mean, Kyle's a passionate guy. I think if every one of us were in a similar spot like that, 
uh, I could see us all doing that, uh, most notably myself. So I, I don't look at that. I've seen Kyle blow up as a GM of the Marlies, you know, back in 2016, uh, you know, on the road in the playoffs, just frustrated with how things are going. Um, I still think he's, he's a smart hockey man. Uh, he's been in it from the get-go at a very early age. He's a bright, bright guy. And uh, it's, you know, they won the second round. The optics are different. They didn't win it. And it was the way they didn't win it really disappointed all of us. But I thought he did as well as he possibly could have to give the coaching staff an opportunity and the team to, to work and, and, and go deep in the playoffs. There was no guarantee they're going to win a cup, but I think he did the best he could with, with what was there. That was a pretty good hockey team. They got beat by a better goaltender and a team that's found a role and an edge. Listen, Sam Bennett's not the above all second coming of Jesus Christ. He's having a hell of a role. Matthew Kachuk yep. is having a hell of a playoff. But let's be honest, these guys at, at Christmas – I think a lot of us had our doubts that they were even going to make the postseason, much like St. Louis in 2019, where that team came into Toronto and looked like that that entire roster was going to be divvied up and partial off to parts of the National Hockey League. And then, you know, they get on to a hot goaltender and away they go. Uh, that's just the way the pendulum swings in sports and has done so with Florida. So, you know, Toronto's not there, but you want to make sure they don't, they don't get too far from what they've got, maybe add to what they've got again and give this thing another run next year. But if you start getting rid of a bunch of key players, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all of a sudden you're back to step one again and nowhere closer than you ever were. And you might be damn close right now. But if you get rid of a few key pieces that you should not have gotten rid of, we might not ever know. Uh, that's the million dollar question that this new general manager is going to have to answer and deal with. That is, yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing. I mean, it's a huge table to be sitting in front of, especially with all of these deals coming in on July 1st with the no trades, no movements, and all of that yep. stuff. Um, and now there's reports, rumblings out there that Austin Matthews may not be keen to sign an extension on July 1st. And I think that's something you need to know. But, I mean, really, well, who knows what actually is being said? Yeah, and, and the other thing is, obviously, he wants to know who the, the general manager is going to be. He'd like to know who the new head coach is going to be, assuming Sheldon's not coming back. And if you're a new GM, there's a good chance he's going to want to bring in his own guy. So the, these are things you want clarified. But they can get this deal done before the start. For me, it's the start of the regular season. Uh, and even before the start of training camp to get this thing done. July 1st would be good, but if it doesn't happen, then I don't know. Uh, are you are you not yeah. worried about the 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 no trades and no movement clause kicking in for Austin Matthews? Yeah, at where... that point in time. No, you're right. Um, it's so we've got we've got what five weeks to go before this gets done. So they've got to get a GM hired. I think once that happens, then the next dominoes obviously could be Austin. It's got to be done by July one, as is William Nylander. Um, but if not, uh, especially with William going into the draft, there could be a lot of talking between uh, draft tables as to what's going to go on. And the Leafs have, what, a 28th in the first round and then a fifth and a sixth round. Uh, you could see a few more picks, uh, prospects, and maybe active players, a great defenseman, a top-pairing defenseman coming over to help Morgan and, and Jake McCabe and TJ Brody. Um, 
there could be that. Um, but if, if I, I just don't want to be going in with Austin Matthews unless they're forced to not having a contract because I'll tell you guys, I, I've been down uh, in, in that barnyard when things are pressing and it is, it's an incredible sideshow uh, at the Ford Performance Center or at the rink as well in a market like Toronto, as it would be in any other market with a player like this. You know, if Connor McDavid's going through this, it's the same thing in Edmonton, yeah, except, it's, it's, except it's Edmonton. Toronto's a lot bigger market. Uh, and they've got to get it done, and and I think there's a lot of posturing going on. Uh, I don't see I, I don't see Austin going anywhere, uh, and it's just going to be about term. I, I can see him signing a five-year deal in the 13 to 14 year right 14 range. He'll be the highest-paid player in the National Hockey League, and he gets that deal done by the time he's 30, and he's got another major payday coming to him. I don't see the eight-year deal, but I see another five-year deal. I think that's going to get done. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I said this last time on our show here, I think with superstar players, you're going to start seeing them kind of sign the smaller deals a la the NBA players to maximize their earning window and get more money, which will freak out fans, especially because you want your favorite player to stay. But I think, again, it's more posturing, more about business side of it as well, getting more money throughout your career, which is what Austin Matthews essentially will do with these smaller deals is he'll get more dollars in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I'm a strong believer in like how can you win with someone earning that much, and I totally understand it as like the player standpoint. But I just I just think like you look at Crosby and Ovi. They're people that took a little bit less in their coming up years. But again, obviously, it's it is a new superstar. I just, I sometimes get frustrated looking at numbers like that. (laughs) Yeah. But you, can you win without a generational talent of Austin stays in Toronto? He'll leave as the greatest Maple Leaf of all time. I think his numbers granted will not have, well, we don't know what he will have won in terms of Stanley cups, but uh, it's a different era now. Um, And, you know, we talked about it in other podcasts. Ovi was 13 years before he won a cup. Steve Mm -hmm. Eisenman, 14 both those guys were drummed by their fan bases to get, you know, time to move on. We can't win with these guys. But what are you going to get back if you trade them? I, I really 100%, think. 100%. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, Sidney Crosby, to, 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 to your credit and to his, he was four years before they won. Connor oh, McDavid man. just finished an eighth year without winning a cup. It's a damn hard trophy to win. It is. Um, you see. Yeah, go ahead. I just look at a bunch of these teams and they they have a bunch of grit and guys that are like they're they are going all in and I think right. that is something that the Leafs need to 100% buy into before they get their heads all messed up in everything else. I I, yeah. I understand the pressure too is terrifying in Toronto especially with fans that are like saying negative things and then there's other people on the other side of the table but yeah, no, I, I trust me. There's that thing signed back there for a reason. I really, yeah. really do hope that he stays. So, yeah, and you know what? You can go and play in a place like Nashville, with all due respect. Even Buffalo, um, Montreal's are high pressured market. So is Toronto, but it's high risk. It's high reward. The organization's fantastic. 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever been inside the Marlies facilities. They're better than most teams in the National Hockey League, <laughs> especially the practice facilities down at yeah. the Ford Performance Center. I, I remember the day Hitchcock got fired. We were flying in from Dallas to St. Louis. It was an off day, and uh, Hitch had just been fired. So we went and covered that and covered at the Blues practice facility, which is part of an old old mall in suburban St. Louis. It's a rink used by the public where you can rent skates, et cetera, to go in. And, you know, that team uh, well, a year or two later ended up winning the entire thing, the Stanley Cup. But to, to get back to the Marley's facilities and their practice facilities and the meals and, and everything. And uh, even, you know, with the Leafs, I remember Mike Pekka talking about it after he left Toronto, just how great an organization is. They cross T's, they dot I's. It's a fabulous place to uh, organization to be with, play for, and it's a great city to play in, but there are expectations. And that that's just it, guys. Uh, you can go and disappear in other markets, but there's nothing like this this market or Montreal's for that matter. Uh, especially when you win. I remember talking to Paul Marner. He wasn't happy, you know, in Mitch's first year with, you know, Mitch's ice time and all this stuff. And, and I said, Paul, take a deep breath. If, if Mitch is around when this team wins a Stanley Cup, they're going to rename Young Street Marner Street. Like, <laughs> this is this is where you want to be. And I think yeah. he knows that. It's not always yeah. easy. Um, but it, I And I might be biased, but it's a great, great place. And, and that logo and the history that goes with it. Um, and I think Austin understands that. Um, but, uh, and, and it's going to come down to money and whatever term he's going to want. Um, but I think there's, I think there's a 13.5 and, and a five-year deal that, that would fit with him and, and the Leafs go from there and buy off another five years. And that maybe just say so long in five years from now, if it doesn't work. That, that may be the thing. I want to ask you this question, obviously. Mm -hmm. You talk about the barnyard and being around there. In your yeah. time being with the Maple Leafs and, you know, being there every day, going into an offseason, this one here seems like it's one of those franchise-altering offseasons. Things have to go right. Things have to be done right because if you don't sign Austin, you have to trade him or you have to do these moves or you have to do something because, obviously, you don't want to go in – with so many unknowns, with the Nylander not signed, with the Matthews not signed, then they have all the power where they end up going. There may be change, but have you ever been a part or around this team during an offseason kind of as important as this one? No, not even close. Uh, and, I, and I don't think uh, I've been a part of a team with so much elite talent as this. The Pat Quinn teams in the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of talent, but that talent was in the latter, you know, the twilight stages of their so-called careers. This group, I mean, William just turned 27, 20, uh, yeah, 27, May 1st, I think his birthday is. So he's the eldest of that group, but he's only 27. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of runway left with this generational talent and they've got, well, three of them, uh, John Tavares, he's a point per game guy. Uh, I see him eventually moving over to the wing. I see the Leafs having to get a center uh, to, to, to replace him as, as his career moves on, and, you know, into his early 30s. But this is a very talented group uh, of, of players. So I don't think there's been anything like that. If anything, I, I remember when the Leafs were looking to come out of, you know, the lockout in 2005 and moving on and, and Matt Sundin 
being pressured to leave the organization so the team could start its rebuild. And I remember walking into the lobby of the Brook Street Hotel in Canada, and Matt's is on the phone with a serious, serious look on his face. And turned out he was talking to Borea Salming, and Borea told him, it's the Maple Leafs. You don't leave the team. If they tell you it's time to go on, then fine. But you don't voluntarily leave the Toronto Maple Leafs. And eventually, you know, Matt Stiddy ended up out in Vancouver. But, you know, Sundin, it meant a lot to him to wear the C on his jersey and meant a lot to him uh, to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and to, to be engaged in a conversation with someone like Boreas Salming. It told him, no, 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 you stick around. You don't leave this team. Uh, really meant a lot to him. So I think looking back, that kind of is something sort of similar, but nothing like we've got here now because this generational talent is just so young and has so much more to give. And I'd love to see them give it in Toronto as opposed to watching them yeah. in another jersey, yeah, whether 100%. it be Nylander or Marner or whoever, guys. I, th I think a lot of not even this generation, but the people that are watching hockey now are taking it all for granted. Like they don't remember the teams that we used to have. And, and it's, and it sucks to say that, but I, I notice even just being on TikTok and stuff that there's, there's a lot of toxicity in people wanting to jump ship right away. They're like, you know, something needs to change right away when something's bad. And I, I, I kind of took a, took a step back at the end of the season. And I was like, this, I, I don't know if I've ever really paid attention to it, but this season has been so much highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows. And it's all because of the fan base. And I think, I, I think these guys understand that. And I don't think they, I don't think they want to leave without doing the job that is, is on the table for them. I, yeah. I truly, I truly think that these guys can get it done. It's just, they gotta, they gotta learn, and it takes a long time to learn in this league. Sometimes it does, and and at least you know, finally they won a series, and I think it's the way they lost the second round in five games. But now that team that beat them is two wins away from going to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> I mean, tip of the hat to Florida, tip of the hat to Paul Maurice. I mean, he broke our hearts in two thousand two when Carolina beat, uh, you know, beat the Maple Leafs in the the conference final. It takes a while, and, and, and but if you get, you know, they're talking about maybe Marner would get you this and that. He's one of the top five right-wingers on the entire planet. You're going to yeah. get rid of him. Plus, he's a great defensive player. He kills penalties. He's up for you the know, Selkie. <laughs> he's up for the Selkie. Why, do you, why would you trade him as a guy you drafted and developed? Uh, you know, William Nylander is a guy who's been in the organization for almost a decade. Uh, a couple of years with the Marlies, and then he's been eight years with the Maple Leafs. He's coming off, you know, he's only missed one game in the last two years. Uh, you know, he's had what thirty-four and forty goals, and you're going to you're going to let him go? Maybe they. I, I, they I've always maybe come they, with the argument. Go ahead, yeah, just make, maybe they have to to provide themselves with some some yeah. cap flexibility, yeah. and and maybe a deal like that might bring in a a a one B defenseman. Uh, maybe a second or third line center because they're going to have to replace Ryan O'Reilly. And I think eventually John Tavares, who's got two years left in his deal, is moving over to the wing. Uh, and so they've got some holes to plug, and it might mean parting with a talent like William, who's very mobile at this time, given he's one year left in his deal at $6.9 million. 
and and I just hate to see him go. I just hate 100%. to see him go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate to see him go. And I always say this about trades. You know, you look at trading a guy like that. Okay, I say, what are you getting back mm-hmm. that really provides you with some oomph for what you're trading? <clears throat> but also, what do you have in your organization now that will replace some of what you're losing? And a William Nylander, oh. the Leafs do not have anything to really replace no. that unless you're putting all your eggs in the Matthew wow. Nyes and Nick Robertson basket. And we've done that a couple of times with Robertson, yeah. and he's been oft injured. Matthew Nyes looks like he might be something, but guys, he hasn't played a whole lot yet. Let yeah. the kid get his feet wet before we anoint him the next guy on the top line. But I always I would agree with you, Paul. I don't want to see Nylander go. I don't want to see Marner go. I don't want to see Tavares leave. And I damn sure don't want to see Austin Matthews leave. I want to see these guys be able to get it done. And it may mean having to put a pick again on Matt Murray and send him out the door like you did with Petter Mrazek and make a deal there, attach a pick or a prospect, send Matt Murray somewhere to play, free up that money, and away you go. And you also don't know what the status of Jake Muzzin is going to be come the fall either. Will he be healthy enough to play or not? I'm not a doctor. Uh, I doubt <laughs> it. I, I I think Jake is done. Like yeah. I, I I think he's done. Um, but that just means he, they can't use that money until yeah. the first night of the season, right? You can't LTIR him until then, right? Right. Um, and you know, yeah, I think there's no doubt that Matt Murray's done in Toronto, and you know, Kyle rolled the dice. Uh, unfortunately, did. it did. Yeah, it didn't work out. Uh, now you've got Ilya Samsonov, who is, what, a restricted free agent, albeit he's got arbitration rights. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you bring him back for just, what, under $2 million, give him a chance to prove, again, that he's capable of having a similar type season. And if he does, then you give him a longer-term deal. Uh, Joseph Wall at his price tag, and and he's good enough, is going to come in as your, your second goaltender. And I, I think you go from there. I just don't know what you know, uh, departing with, with, with Murray is going to cost you uh, because they don't have a lot of picks to give up. Maybe it's <laughs> going to be a prospect. And, you know, with all due respect to Nice, I think he's going to be a good National Hockey Leaguer. Nick Robertson hasn't even played uh, a season in the NHL yet. No. Um, William Nylanders, he's just completed his eighth season in the NHL. Exactly. You Crazy. don't give that away. You no. might have to, but you don't. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I look at it like this too. There's there's lots that the Leafs will be able to do. I mean, they will have some flexibility. I don't think you bring back Ryan O'Reilly, but I do think you can bring back David Camp, who was good on your yeah. penalty kill and a guy that's a good yeah. depth type soft guy. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, there will be other guys that hit the market that you know you may be able to snag up. One guy I'd like to see them run after is uh, is Bertuzzi, but I think he's going to get a pretty good payday. Yeah, and Boston is kind of in a situation where they're going to have to move some bodies in an effort to keep him as well. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, good for good for Bertuzzi. I'd love what he would bring to Toronto. Who knows? Yeah. You know, maybe maybe there's a, a, some money and packages around that would see Bertuzzi come in and the Leafs able to go in a different direction, but it might mean having to get rid of one of these key players we've, we've talked about um, and, and, and that financial flexibility. Uh, to, to help balance out the rest of the team. You know, the contract, I remember when it was signed, when when Kyle, you know, outbid everyone and brought JT in. I, I was extremely excited. Uh, but you knew down the line with, with those other guys and the contracts that they were going to sign that the, the organization was really going to be 
sort of handcuffed top heavy. So you have a window of opportunity, which has now sort of run its course and they won, they won one round. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I also think though, you look at that deal when you signed JT and in retrospect, it was, it wasn't the highest bid either, but they, they were able to pitch him the right way. But what happened was they laid out their strategy as such that the cap would go up, you know, X amount of dollars and yeah, they would COVID have hits. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't. They, you know, no one factored in COVID. So yeah. right. you know, and I know there, and everybody always says, "Well, other teams figured it out." But yeah, other teams didn't sign deals in that window, thinking that they would have eight or nine or ten million dollars more cap space by the right. time JT got to year three or four of that deal. When that you know gives you the flexibility to do these things. But you know, if and what's their candies and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. But yeah. JT is where he is now. But I look at the Maple Leafs and I say, there's another guy that is kind of a fan favorite, kind of a lightning rod. And uh, he reminds me a lot of one guy, Darcy Tucker. Uh, mm-hmm. That's Michael Bunting. You know, he's a guy who yeah. chirps I'm a sorry, lot. I, I, I think he's gone, right? Don't, do you guys yeah. agree with that? I think he's yeah. priced himself out. And I also think that maybe even with management, he may have kind of run his course a little bit just with the – the antics and stuff like that. I know they love him and we all love him, but uh, I think that he priced himself out because he proved he can play with top players for one. Yeah. And for two, he proved he can, he can be a Brad Marchand light where he's chirping. He doesn't drop the mitts or get very physical with guys, but he'll scrum it up with anybody. He's not yeah. afraid to be in the scrums, but you know, he doesn't Donnie Brook like some guys do, but that's a guy right there where I'm like, man, how do you replicate somebody like that? Who draws a lot of penalties for your team? Well, when Zach Hyman left to Edmonton, I think we asked the same question, right? And I, w- I wish we still had Zach. I wish we still had Nazem Kadri. Uh, I'd love to keep Michael Bunting here. I really would like to keep Michael Bunting here. I think he's done well enough, and I don't care about the antics and all of that. That That is what it is. That's who he is. Hard uh, but, the fact, but the fact of the matter is I just don't – financially see how no. it happens. Nice is coming in on the left side. He's, you know, he's, he's got two more years before uh, his next deal is up and he's, he's nine, nine and change. I, you know, so nine, whatever, nine seventy five, nine fifty, whatever yeah. it is. Cheap. Yeah, it's cheap. And so I think bunting as a result is going to be expendable. Uh, it's too yeah. bad, but you know, you say, can he be replaced? They found somebody to replace Zach Hyman. Yeah, uh, I didn't think lot, anybody would replace Zach Hyman, man. I was a big Zach yeah. Hyman fan. Hashtag okay. Hyman Hustle was my thing all the time when he was here. <laughs> without a doubt. He, with, without a doubt. Uh, and and I still wish we had him, but not on the term, at his yeah. age. And, and the and, injuries. And the injuries, exactly. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of wanted to get your take on, mm-hmm. obviously you watch this, this young defenseman come into the league and at the trade deadline we – all watch them come back to the team. I just wanted to get your take on having Shen around the locker room again. Loved it. Yeah. Um, He's one of my all-time favorite guys that I've covered in my entire time. Alan McCauley, uh, Luke Shen. Those guys are 1A, 1B. Steve Thomas. There's a bunch of guys. Yeah. Yeah. But Luke is such a good guy. he's He's just a tremendous, tremendous person. I remember years ago, my parents lived at uh, Queens Key right at, uh, well, Young Street and, you know, across from the Weston and Luke and a bunch of guys lived in the building. But anyway, Luke as an 18 year old was um, looking at buying a unit 
uh, in the building. And uh, anyway, I lo and behold, I'm at practice the next day. It's a game day. And Luke comes over. Hey, Henny, I was at your mom and dad's house last night. <laughs> and so, so the condo manager said, uh, I know a couple have just renovated a unit similar to what you might buy. And let me bring you up. And, you know, Dale and Norma, he says, your dad had just come back from my dad's. Uh, he was a, a geologist and you know, high end in the corporate end of it, you know, near the end of his career. And your dad had a bunch of pens in his pocket and his glasses were hanging around his shoulders. And your mom was so nice. I said, hang on here. What, what was going on? He said, no, I was at your mom and dad's house last night. I got a tour of their place. But this was 18 year old Luke, right? Yeah. Um, uh, who made the team as a teenager. And then Morgan Riley would be the next teenager to make it as a blue liner, yeah. both quality people, both quality hockey players. But Luke was just such a genuine guy. And, you know, the eldest with his brother, Braden, his two sisters, you know, dad's a firefighter in Saskatoon. They're just of the earth. Um, and I, I can't speak, I can't say enough about him and just what a quality guy he was. And is, uh, I didn't know he would have the impact he had. I, I hope they're going to bring him back. I know Luke's team would like to see maybe two years I don't know if the Leafs can give him to. And and I remember on my my former podcast, Luke was my first guest. Ten uh, a couple of weeks after winning the Stanley Cup, and, and he didn't have a contract. And he said, I, "I'd love to come back to Toronto, but wow. I don't think they want me back." Meaning Kyle, um, oh. uh, and it's just where the Leafs were at that point in time, yeah. right? They they maybe didn't think of mobile enough for the team they had. But then all of a sudden you realize, you know, we could use a little more physicality back there than what we have had. And, uh, you know, eventually Kyle realizes, no, we got to get Luke Shen. And uh, Luke was just absolutely fantastic. I think in an ideal world, they'll give him a raise and he stays for one year. But, you know, the Vancouver Canucks are offering two. Uh, I think Luke could be back out West, you know, his wife, kids, their, their full-time home is in Kelowna and, that might be a better fit uh, just on the home front for him. But uh, I hope the Leafs do all they can to bring him back and that physicality that he still provides because he looked like he had it uh, without a doubt, still had it. Yeah. No, he, listen, watching him throughout the playoffs, the blocking the shots, just big time plays and big time minutes is what you need from some guys in the playoffs. And he elevated his game. I don't know why the Leafs wouldn't give him two years at one and a half. I don't know if that's the price tag you want, but I mean, well, I think they'd take that. You know, two years at yeah. one and a half. I mean, they've given they've given worse contracts, to be honest with you, and I'd yeah. be very happy with that. And you also know some of these guys. You look at uh, around the league, just to talk veterans for a moment. Corey Perry, um, other guys that you know, you don't pay them for the regular season. You're right. paying them more for the postseason and what yeah. they're going to bring for you during that time of year where. The game kind of it, the switch flips. It's yeah, just right. different. It's not the same as regular season, and not we saw close. that with Luke Chen. So I mean, yeah. and, and I want to ask you that question because that's something a lot of people want to try to dispel. And I've talked to a couple of people, like David Jackson, uh, former NHL ref, and he said, mm -hmm. you know, there's no difference. And to me, I say there's a lot of difference. It's more yeah. physical. It's more impactful. Um, the game is different. It's called different. It's played different. Um, you've been around enough iterations of the Maple Leafs. Do you think the postseason is a different animal? Huh. It's it's a sprint. The, you know what, guys? I'm just going to turn on a light right here. Things are getting dark. Okay. I don't want to <laughs> give you more than that. Thank right. you. Um, yeah, it's 
it's a hard sprint. It's a hard, hard sprint. But I'm going to be honest. You think about the time that I covered the Leafs. I mean, I was there from 1995 on uh, mixed results. They got to the conference final in 99. And then, Pat, you know, with Pat Quinn, had another run at it in 2002. Had teams that Pat thought could have won the, the whole damn thing in 2003 and 2004 uh, and didn't. Uh, injuries and things just get in the way. And then the, you know, this team was loaded, uh, contract loaded with all this older talent. And they come out of the lockout in 05 and they're dead in the water. And they don't make the playoffs until another lockout shortened season in 2013, right? Yep. And even that, even that team, it, it, that was what a 48 game season. I don't know if they make the playoffs over 82. They might not. Um, and so. then they go to they go to Game Seven, May 13th, 2013, with the Bruins, and we know what happened there. And then they're they're out until 2000, well, 16. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's a long time. So I haven't been to a lot of playoffs, uh, <laughs> which is what I'm getting at. Um, but I certainly know given what I have seen and just how hard it is. And then covering, you know, this group of guys up until I retired three years ago and, and, and seeing what they were able to do against Boston, losing in game sevens, uh, going to game six with the Washington Capitals who were a year removed from winning the whole damn thing. Um, there's a learning process here that's involved. You got to make sure you have the good pieces. You got to have really good goaltending. You don't have to have Hall of Fame goaltending, but you've got to have really good goaltending. And um, I, I think this club, I, I, I said it on a podcast uh, that, that I participated in this year with David Alter. I, I think, Love David. I think, I, yeah, I think this, I think this, this, this Leaf team wins the cup next year. I said this six weeks ago. Not like next year is will be their time. Um, a lot has to happen to make it happen. But I know if we look back midseason at the standings, none of us had the Florida Panthers uh, where they are there right is, now, or or even if Paul Paul Maurice is still the head coach of this club because they were just going south quick. There was conspiracy theories that Montreal was going to get to, uh, two picks in the top ten <laughs> at one yeah. point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it's, true. it's crazy. You can always look back and, and uh, these things. And I mean, it seems like teams that I wouldn't say tear it down because you look at Nashville or Chicago when they didn't have playoff results, they wanted and they started trading guys and blow it up. And, you uh -huh. know, it didn't didn't go well for them. It just didn't. I think the Leafs, you're right, Paul, need to stay with this group. But maybe it needs to be fresh voices above them with new ideas of how to make this core move along to where they can be and maybe get the best out of them. A guy that I'd like to see behind the bench if Keith isn't back, I like Sheldon Keith. I actually yeah, do. So I do think I. he's a good coach. But if he's not the one that's coming back and they're going with somebody else, I wouldn't mind seeing a Gerard Gallant behind the bench. Okay, what about you, Dylan? Who would you like to see? <laughs> um, I Before Spezza left, I was, I was leaning towards Spezza. But yeah. – um, I don't know. I don't know about him as a head coach just yet. Maybe too I, soon. I, I want somebody that yells at them at the right time, but also is like, like, listen, boys, like you guys know how to play this game and gives them the ropes. I don't know who that is tech, like in technicality. Like I don't yeah. watch obviously locker room stuff, but um, I just yeah. want somebody that, isn't I say afraid. Gallant can be that guy. Gallant knows how to yell at you, but also knows how to be your friend at the same time. 
A Sheldon Keith can be that as well. Sheldon Keith, believe me, guys, he can yell, and he's a, he's a player's coach. Uh, we know if Sheldon was the head coach, there's no way Jason Spets is sitting out his first game as a leaf with with 20 family yeah. members in the stands. That would never have happened. Uh, I can go on and on. Sheldon Keith. Yeah, and he's a good coach. Team. He's a good, good coach. Yeah. Uh, and if he's to go out, he, you've just got to look back. You know, I know his playoff record hasn't been terrific, but his regular season in getting them there has that's been. True. They've averaged, what, 106 points the last four years. Now, that said, there's a new GM coming in. Um, it might be out of Sheldon's hands. If Sheldon could get extended or he's got one more year left in his deal. But two names that come to mind for me, Claude Julian still out there. And Dave oh. Tippett's another head coach who's still out there as well. These are guys, uh, different voices. But Claude Julian would be somebody I'd like to see come into Toronto, a veteran guy who can handle all of us. Tippett, I'd say, in the same mode as well, having coached in Canada. I uh, yeah. I did, I do remember seeing a name. Elaine Vignon, I think, would be a oh, yeah. Yeah, I like Elaine. He hasn't been, yeah, he's been uh, off, the, off the beaten path for a little bit. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's a possibility, uh, yeah. but I think it's important. Uh, the GM's gonna have to put some pieces in place, um, but I, I do think if there's a new GM coming in, uh, there's going to be a new head coach, and and Sheldon will be coaching somewhere else. Without a doubt, he'll be coaching somewhere else. Yeah. And and if they say goodbye to him, it will be that Sheldon's still got another year in his deal to to get things figured out employment wise somewhere else. And without a doubt, he'll get hired somewhere else. Well, it's definitely going to be an interesting summer, and Paul, I hope to uh, to get you back on and bend your ear once things start to fall into place for the Maple Leafs uh, this offseason. Well, thanks, guys. A pleasure talking with you, and uh, the situation is as clear as mud uh, 42 minutes into our conversation. <laughs> hey, listen, you know what? You provided some good stories and good insight anyways of things we may not have been thinking about. So, uh, Paul, it's always great to have you on. I always loved listening to you when you were with the Leafs. I loved how you always started it off with a softball question that the pressers really made everybody feel comfortable. That was let me, let, you know what? I'm going to beg difference. There's no such thing as a softball question when you're <laughs> covering a team for 25 years and you last 25 years. There's no such thing as a softball. But if you want to get a press conference going in a certain direction, you lead it in a certain direction. That's it. So with all due respect, no softball questions. Because <laughs> if the tough questions had to be asked, they would be asked. But no such thing as a softball question. So I'll take that the way it is. But I'll beg to differ with you on that. Uh, you don't. You don't. You don't work for forty-one qu uh, consecutive years by asking softball questions. I no, do. Uh, I didn't, I didn't mean tell you that way. straight out. Well, I. Yeah. Anyway, I. It's. Uh, it's okay. It's nope. okay. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> just put yourself in somebody else's shoes and see what it's like. I'll go back over all my press conferences. I don't recall a softball question, even no, after the top of the I meant more, more your tone and who you were, not uh, softball, yeah. not the question per se. A question delivered with respect, and a question yes. delivered in a way that will get that person to get things started. But not, that's more, I, more what I, I meant than the question. Yeah. Itself. yeah, I like peanut butter and jam. How about you? No, 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 no. <laughs> all right. It was never that regard. No, I. Okay. My apologies. All right. All right, Paul. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We'll have you back on hopefully throughout the summertime, sir. But enjoy your summer up until then. Okay. Take care, Take guys. Care. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That was Paul Hendrick. That was awesome. Dylan, he's always great to have on. I messed up on the last one. I'm tired. I worded it wrong. Hence the reason why I drink Red Bull. 
I did not mean to say softball question. Meant to always say he always started them off the right way. But uh, yeah, it came out the wrong way. So my apologies to Paul. Didn't mean to upset him at the end there. Brings a lot of nostalgia here in his voice. uh, Man, who doesn't love Henny Tweets, man? Holy smokes. But ladies and gentlemen, that was a great show. Obviously, Paul said, we're still clear as mud of what's going on. But uh, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.